Hey, it's Jeremy. And before we get into this episode, you just know we got to shout out our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. It's in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, which is sort of in between Dinkytown and Northeast. So that's pretty centrally located as far as the metro goes. I come from the southeast suburbs in Cottage Grove myself, and it's still an easy like 20 minute drive. It's not that bad at all, no matter where you're coming from in or around the metro. It's an easy place to access. They have plenty of parking. But what's big about Ninth Street is what goes on inside the doors. Soccer, pickup soccer happens pretty much every night of the week. They have regular pickup, 40-plus pickup, women's only pickup. So if you want to get your game on, you want to get your pickup soccer on, there is a night and a pickup session for you. It's very affordable as well. So if you want to check that out, NinthStreetMPLS.com is where you can do that. Or if you're not into playing soccer, but you just want to be in kind of that soccer environment with other people who love soccer as well in and around the Twin Cities, you can check out their coffee shop and bar area. This is a cool space with plenty of great coffee options, tea options. I went there the other day. I had already had a full pot of coffee in the morning, so coffee was the last thing I wanted. It was in the afternoon. I still had some work to do, so I unfortunately couldn't have any of the great beer options they have at Night Street. But I got this like hydrating tea that really hit the spot. So whether it's coffee you're looking for, tea you're looking for, beer you're looking for, or anything in between, Ninth Street has those refreshments for you there. And you can watch soccer. You know, now is the time of year where soccer's on pretty much every hour of the day, especially with Europa League and Champions League and, and all of that. So if you want to go watch soccer with other soccer fans, maybe get some work done during the day, finding a spot to do that in a communal environment. Ninth Street's the place for you as well. Again, 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or check them out online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to Derek and the team at Ninth Street for supporting this podcast and sponsoring this episode. Let's go. What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitchers, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing for episode 109 and alongside me as always from SodaSoccer.com, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to talking, well, looking forward to talking about a not so fun uh, last last week of, of Minnesota United soccer and so on, but uh, looking forward to so then back in Totten, talking about all the all the great stuff that's going on in the, in the state. Yeah, there's a lot of good to go with the Minnesota United bad. So you'll get a healthy balance this week on 10K. I promise you that. We are presented by SotaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North. So go ahead and check out the website if you haven't, SOTASoccer.com. And if you want to go that next step and uh, help us out, support us on Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer, which is where you can get 10k stoppage time and uh this week dom uh we have a club in sioux falls city who has made some big uh big announcements already today at the time of recording but um have left room for some even bigger announcements to be made a little bit later on so we will go into what we know and what we suspect may be happening with sioux falls city on this week's edition of 10k stoppage time uh, so if you're into that and want to know kind of, uh, the next step that that particular women's soccer team will be taking in their journey, um, make sure you go ahead and check us out. Patreon.com slash soda soccer for this week's episode of 10 K stoppage time and make sure you're following us on the socials. 
We're at Soda SOC on Twitter. But yes, it was a four to one loss for Minnesota United at the hands of SKC on the road. Dom, I couldn't get ESPN Plus to work for this game. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I'm pretty grateful for it. Uh, <laughs> if there was a game to not watch live, it was this one. Just an absolute uh, dud, a stinker, whatever whatever adjective you want to use. Um, we can't use probably a lot of the adjectives that you want to use on this particular <laughs> podcast. Uh, but all in all, you go down to SKC, I guess the 12th place side, albeit who had been in good form. You need probably you need at least a result, I think, to keep pace for that four spot. Although the way other results worked out, you kind of are still in on pace for that four spot. Uh, but a result would have done wonders. A win would have done even more. And yet you continue that uh, that run of form in the opposite direction with a four to one loss. Yeah, it's uh, you know, th- there's been a lot of negative results from Minnesota United recently, obviously. Um, this this is part of a, a, a now sort of long run of form, but of poor form. But it did feel like this game, you know, a, a, as much as we in, in the last um, episode, and I think even it got touched on in the episode before that, we kind of talked about this game as one of those ones that you should expect to win, but that it's probably going to be more challenging than it looks like on paper because of the nature of who you're playing, where you're playing them, a little bit of history between the teams, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I think with all that in mind, we, we went into the, this week thinking this is a game this team can win. This is a game this team could potentially even if they sort of are in the right zone dominate, right? This is an SKC Mm -hmm. site that is not doing particularly well uh, and is doing a lot of roster building that in theory, Minnesota United isn't doing um, again, in theory. (laughs) Um, And and so, you know, there's plenty of reason to be optimistic. Uh, And obviously the table positions are, 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 there's quite a gap there. Uh, And then what ends up happening is that Minnesota United get completely dominated. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's many other better ways to say it other than you're, you're three nil down at halftime. Uh, you know, you, you get, you get a goal from your new signing and it's, it's, it's an exciting moment at the individual level, but it ends up being consolation and in a pretty terrible night. Uh, and, and oddly enough, we saw Minnesota United arguably, you know, show less intent, less aggression, less ability to dominate the ball in this game than we saw against arguably much better teams. Yeah. Uh, The LAFC's, uh, I suppose the FC Dallas game, Uh, SKC actually really locked this one down the whole time. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it it was sort of a bizarre performance. I, I think that I went into this game thinking there was a chance that it wouldn't work out or that the loons wouldn't win. I'm not sure I had thought this would happen <laughs> that, that yeah. they kind of would get slapped around. Um, that was surprising to me. And it's, again, it, it sort of forces a, a lens of, of realism and, and criticism onto this team uh, you know, in a year where so many good things have happened in this final stretch, we're seeing so many problems come up, so many poor performances. So, uh, yeah, again, just to the, the sort of the general gist of all that being, I was surprised and I, I was frankly quite disappointed with 
the performance that the Loons were were putting up against SKC. There was no Emmanuel Reynoso in this one. Uh, he was out again, suspended due to yellow card accumulation. Um, obviously, Bakai Debasi out for the season. No Bangi Hlangwani as well. You do get Franco Fragapane back, but it was just, as you mentioned, Dom, both, both ends, all three-thirds, just absolutely dominated in all of them. Um, couldn't hold the midfield. Could not stop SKC in your defensive third. And you couldn't really generate much in, in your third either, aside from the Mender Garcia goal, which I thought was really nice. And we'll get to that. But you were really thoroughly outplayed at every level. And that raises a red flag to me in a lot of different ways. But I think the main thing is you can you can lean on the no Reynoso, no Bangi, no Debasi. But I thought we came into this season pretty confident that if this particular, you know, not, not this exact specific um, reality set in, but if they went down the stretch of the season, we're missing a couple key pieces that they had the depth to sort of withstand those stretches and grind out results. And, you know, when those guys come back, you're not losing a ton of points. We, we haven't seen that. Right. Um, in fact, you know, Reynoso has been on the field for a, a, a few of these matches, a few of these, you know, in, in this stretch. Um, so the really the only one that you've been taking taking out of the lineup consistently is Debasi. He's out for the year. I mean, are we seeing a team? And I'll, I'll credit Bridget McDowell for this. She she tweeted this out, and I, it, it definitely sparked something in my brain. Are we seeing a team that? is still just ultra reliant on those two or three key pieces. And when just one of those is pulled out of the picture, it's that it's like that has a card, it's that one card out and suddenly the whole thing falls. Are we still seeing that with Minnesota? Well, it certainly feels like we are. I, I think, yeah, I, I think that it's correct that the team relies on people like Reynoso to step up and get them results. Although, as you noted, there's certainly been games he's played in where that hasn't happened. But that's certainly how the team is sort of built to get those results. The thing is, and I, I, I'm sure this is obvious to everybody listening, but if, you're, if your expectation and the sort of identity that you want everyone to see you as is now as a consistent, confident playoff year-to-year team, uh, you you can't be needing one guy to be 12th place. Mm-hmm. That's just not how that works. I mean, that's not that's not a reliable system. That's not how teams that are year in year out playoff teams and also teams that make deep runs in the playoffs. That that's not how that works. You you can't just have one guy, maybe two guys gone, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I guess we're going to get tr- stomped by 12th place now. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. So while that's, I think that's the case. I think that's the system that's in place and, and that's who's being relied on the Reynoso and the attack, particularly and the bossy and the defense, which is in, interesting because I feel like at the start of the season, we weren't even sure what kind of role he'd have in the team, but um, yeah. that's not, a, that's not a good system. That's not a system that's going to work yeah. if Minnesota United wants to do the things that it's keeps saying it wants to do. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a, tough 
one to sort of try and think your way out of. Um, and it kind of sets a, a, a very negative tone going into this last leg of the regular season and, and then the playoffs, which, you know, I, I'm still sure the team will make. But um, in terms of how we'll do in the playoffs, it's becoming very questionable, uh, especially yeah, if we're going to be agreed. finishing in this part of the table and therefore probably playing a better team on the road. Uh, it's not it's not looking great. So, yeah, I think this team really, really needs Reynoso. But I think needing a player that badly in this kind of game is kind of a, a reflection of the problem, which is that, like, Minnesota United has, like, faux depth. It has, like, the idea, the, the sense yeah. of depth. The sense yeah. of the, the illusion of depth is there. But it's not actually there because the coach barely wants to play any of those guys. And when he does, they don't do much. So it, it, it's this weird situation because there's so many, even with the injuries, there's, there's a lot of players there. And we certainly started the season with even more, some of which are now not available. But then you have these situations where, like, I mean, you, you know, we, we, this hasn't happened in a while. But there was a point where there was this weird situation where the team was, was thin on some, through some injuries, but they weren't even bringing MNUFC two guys to fill out the bench. Like there's this weird relationship between depth and using players in this team, uh, in this club yeah. as a whole. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, there's probably a lot, a lot to take from all that, but, but anyways, you know, we, we, we start the season with God, how many forwards, particularly strikers, uh, but but players like to play multiple positions, and then one or two. It feels like one or two aren't aren't available, and suddenly it feels like we have no options. And that, that's just such a strange position for this team to find itself in. Um, the team has depth, but as long as Amanda Reynoso is on the field, right? Right. We've right. seen Which we've seen depth. other depth <laughs> pieces. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's true. Like we've seen other depth pieces fill in, and the team does well. They grind out results, and they're like, oh, they replace Robin Woods moving to defense, and they're grinding. You know, they're getting results, or you know, this this the back line revolving door that we've had at times this season. Oh, they're still doing well. What's been the common theme on all that? It's right. that Ray's on the field, right? He's the one making things happen. But so that's where the the faux depth comes into play dom and I, yeah. I kind of agree that it's not really depth if you're if you pull one piece out of that puzzle all of a sudden everything just uh just breaks down yeah but that seems to be the case with minnesota this team is much different with amanda reynoso on the field than without and you could say okay yes you could say that for dps for a lot of different teams but at the same time you look at playoff teams, you look at good teams, you look at teams that are perennially near the top. I mean, Seattle is without Jordan Morris for how long this season? And while they didn't do particularly well in that stretch, you still saw them put together good performances. You still saw them keep themselves above water at some level. Um, you, you know, you see Portland, you know, they're per per perpetually missing one of their key pieces and it seems like they're always right there right they're actually ahead of minnesota in the standings right now you have to find ways to yes every team is reliant on designated players that's how this mls roster structure system operates 
but you can't be so reliant that if you're missing that DP for a certain number of games, that everything's just gonna gonna absolutely collapse. And this has been a collapse for Minnesota. You were talking about second place being in reach just three weeks ago, a month ago, however long it was. And now all of a sudden you're just hoping to hang on for dear life for a playoff spot at this point. You're two points above the playoff line. So obviously they need to get Reynoso back, but I think long-term they need to look at providing more, I don't know if there's more depth in that position or just being more confident in the depth. I'm not sure what that looks like moving forward, but it cannot continue to be this ultra reliance on one player. Um, Should mention Robin Ludd was out for this game as well. So you are missing Bongi, Ray, and Ludd. But again, you're playing 12th place SKC um, should be more competitive. Um, Here's how the goals broke down. Boxall gets the final touch on a 31st minute own goal. Um, It's a bit of a, a chip cross from a tight angle. It goes off of DSC's hands. You could argue that he probably should have uh, should have reeled that one in. It goes off of DSC's hands into Boxall's leg and in the back of the net. Um, Eric Tommy scores a second goal in the 41st, and it was really the uh, Willie Agata show from there. Um, it was actually his birthday in this game too. So a birthday brace for Agata. Uh, 45th minute goal to make it 3-0 at half, and then he scores the final goal in the 81st after – Mender Garcia opened his MLS account with a 57th minute goal. Really nice cross from Kamara Lawrence there uh, for Mender. So I guess that was the one positive. Mender has been knocking on the door for the last few games. He finally breaks through and gets his goal. Maybe that means positive things moving forward. But now if you look at Minnesota's place in the table, they continue to get the results they need elsewhere. They're not helping themselves out any. They're the only team that doesn't want to. Minnesota United is the only team that doesn't want to help out Minnesota United at this point. Every other team in the West is doing what they need to do to keep Minnesota United and fourth place close together. Like there's still a shot over the last two games. If you get a couple wins here, fourth place, I would say is likely not even just possible, but likely for this team. Um, But you look at the flip side of that, you're two points back of fourth. You're also two points ahead of the playoff line in general. Um, you see LA Galaxy in seventh on 43 points, RSL in eighth on 43 points. Um, and then you have Vancouver there in ninth on 40 points. So what does that mean? Well, you play Vancouver on decision day. If the okay. Whitecaps are within are within reach of a playoff spot on decision day, you're going to be playing an ultra-desperate Vancouver team who's going to be doing everything they can to try to get that win uh, to to try to secure a playoff spot. So it's not going to be easy for Minnesota over these last couple of games. I think it obviously starts October 1st, next Saturday, against San Jose. Um, that San Jose side, there's nothing redeeming about them. They have been terrible all season long. doesn't matter who's on the sideline, who's coaching them. Uh, so that's a place you need to go in and get three points. If you can't go in, and this is sort of a, a litmus test too, right? Sure, if they go in and they get a really disappointing draw in San Jose, they may still make the playoffs. But if you can't go in on, on the road and beat San Jose and beat them decisively, you're probably it's a good indicator that you're not going to do much uh when you actually get to the playoffs. That's right. Uh, because right. A, your seating's probably gonna be worse, but B, it's just from your own form, your own quality of play standpoint, there's not gonna be much confidence 
at least from me and you, I think, Dom, that that yeah. once the playoffs come, they're all of a sudden gonna just gonna flip the switch back. So that that San Jose one is a big one for a lot of different reasons, but you've made these last couple of games now, I think, a lot more exciting than they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's unnecessary excitement. Um, yeah, on on that note, yeah, that San Jose game, which is even more so than the SKC game is a game that Minnesota United should be winning. Um, if the Loons don't win that game, and depending, of course, on how other teams do, how Portland does, how the Galaxy do, how RSL do, how Vancouver do, um, going into that final match against Vancouver, Minnesota United's participation in the playoffs will be in serious danger. And if this team finds itself in that position, even if they end up making the playoffs, but they find themselves in that sort of drama in the last week, that's disappointing. This team has no reason to be dealing with that. Truly not. And again, I understand there's been some injuries. There's been some card uh, suspension stuff that hasn't gone the team's way, but that literally happens to every team. I, I mean, at a certain point, you you just have to figure out your way through it. That's why I thought the team made so many signings, uh, you know, this last offseason to kind of prepare for that. Um, it's just not really, it's not really an excuse. So the Loons really need to get the job done in San Jose. Uh, yeah. That being said, San Jose has a win more recently than Minnesota United. So, you know, who knows? Very true um who knows they beat lafc recently too so Mm. so we'll see you know there's no there's nothing is set in stone in the sport any team can can beat any team but minnesota united need to be going into this one understanding that they have to win this game they have to even a draw creates so much tension in the table for them that you know it almost sets up the perfect worst nightmare scenario for that Vancouver game. This is a game that you need to be winning. Um, If you're not going to be beating San Jose in the place they are at and the place you are at, I mean, what are, what, why even play that, that first playoff game? So um, it's, it's going to be a really interesting week. It's going to be a really interesting match to really see where this team is at and what this team's ability to sort of recover from a poor run of form is. Um, This is the kind of game that you should be able to use to rejuvenate your, your season or your, or this leg of the season. Albeit we've seen the team struggle to do that with some other games. It's sort of halfway through the year that we're against teams that are struggling. But again, this is, this is a game you need to be winning. Even if Debassi isn't there, even if I don't, you know whether I, I assume Reynoso will be available for that game, but, but Reynoso will probably be available. Bongi probably won't. They keep putting. Sure. Here's another. Here's just another weird thing, um, and we'll get back on track in a second. But yeah. it's just something I've noticed. So Andy Grader reported about a week ago that uh, Longwani is out for the remainder of the regular season, and his status for the for the playoffs is questionable. They keep putting him as questionable on these injury reports, though not out. So it's just uh, that's that's an interesting little thing that that, may, that confuses me a little bit. But yeah, Reynoso should be back. I wouldn't expect Bongi back. Um, I think the biggest question mark will be Robin Lutt. 
obviously. Mm. But again, if you're relying on just one person to go and beat San Jose, uh, <laughs> then what yeah. are we even doing here, right? We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. But I want to dig into this nightmare scenario that you brought up, Dom, because while I don't want to speak it into existence at all, I do think it's it's an intriguing thought. Um, it's a terrifying thought, but an intriguing thought to go into Allianz Field on decision day against Vancouver and have that possibility be that you're going to end the day not even in the playoffs at home right. on decision day. You need to avoid that at all costs because if you lose to Vancouver on decision day and that loss keeps you out of the playoffs at home, that is going to be one of the, I think, the worst moments in this this franchise's MLS tenure, and and will continue to be something that maybe is almost ir- irreparable, is almost uh, maybe one of those black black you know those black clouds, dark clouds, <laughs> no no pun intended, that just hangs over this team. How often do we see this, especially with Minnesota sports franchises, just these monkeys? Yeah continually on their back that they cannot seem to get off. You do not want to have that happen if you're Minnesota United. You don't want to have this epic collapse continue and create this scenario where you don't even make the playoffs. Go in, beat San Jose. You probably will all but clinch a playoff spot if you do that. I don't even think you would need a result against Vancouver if you just go and beat San Jose um, to make the playoffs. But with that being said, you still have a lot to play for ahead of the, ahead of you in the table. You still have a lot to play for in terms of keeping yourself above the playoff line. So that's where this Minnesota United team just needs to go in. They're better than San Jose. They've proven they're way better than San Jose. They need to go and show it and get a decisive win uh, next Saturday. Um, but in the meantime, there are several loons currently on international duty. Uh, Michael Boxall with New Zealand. Uh, he played, of course, Michael Boxall plays all 90 minutes because why not? Uh, in a 1-0 loss to Australia. The two teams play again Saturday night. Uh, Rosales and Arriaga with Honduras. They will play Argentina in Miami on Friday and then Guatemala in Houston on Tuesday. And then Dane St. Clair is with Canada. Now, they're not playing any European teams, but both of these games are in Europe as uh, they're playing in Austria Friday afternoon against Qatar. And then uh, they're going to be playing Uruguay on Tuesday in Slovakia because why not 
As you do. So it's, as, as one does. As one does. Uh, so uh, if you want to keep track of the some loons on international duty, that's the that's the place to do it. Um, just go to FootMob or check your local listings for those. Uh, probably more than a couple of uh, streaming services you have to sign up for if you want to watch all these matches. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, moving on to MNUFC 2. The Dubloons ended their debut season with a 4-1 to loss to San Jose. The goal coming from Tani Aluashei, which actually is uh, that's a that's a positive. He really ended the season on a high note uh, with with uh, quite a few goals over this last over these last couple of weeks. So uh, that's encouraging. They do end the season in sixth place, thirty six points um, from twenty four matches, a nine five and ten win draw loss record for the doubloons. Um, I think we've talked about this a lot, but I think a, a lot of positives to take from this first season, especially from those individuals who we could see as potential contributors to the first team uh, in the short term, not even the long term, but in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's several players in, in this side that, that have a future with the team or at the very least a future at a higher level. Uh, and, and it was great to see that. It was great to see uh, some local talent find its way into that, that roster as well. Um, including some guys with NPSL connections, Manuel UA and, and Loic Musambi. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think that, that all in all, this, this project, the first year of this project has, has been a, a success. Uh, obviously they would have liked to, to qualify for the playoffs, but they miss it by a relatively small margin and, and put together some really good performances. Uh, certainly some great performances across the year from, from certain players. So, yeah, I mean, I think all these guys are, are now, you know, they got 24 games under or up to 24 games under their belt at this higher level. I think all of them will be better for it. Uh, and, and you know, hopefully if everything goes goes the way it probably should, that means that Minnesota United will be better off. Uh, we'll have, mm-hmm. you know, more resources, a, a larger pool, a more adapted pool of talent to, to look – uh, to look to to draw from, uh, so yeah, you know, all all the all the congratulations possible to the, to these guys for putting together a good season, a good debut season for some of them, the first season ever playing this kind of level, and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how a lot of these players transition into next season, whether that be staying in MLS Nets Pro, whether that be um, MLS, whether it be a loan to a USL Championship side. Uh, I really look forward to seeing how a lot of these names uh, transition into 2023. So uh, I think all in all, it was a, a very positive uh, year. One more quick loons note uh, before we um, head off here. Something really cool. Uh, Andy Grader actually just tweeted this as we're recording. So uh, the team announced the inaugural St. Paul Cup today on Thursday, um, which is a doubleheader for the boys and girls varsity teams from Harding and Washington Tech. So the team's girls' sides will play each other, and then the boys' sides will play each other. Both those games happening at Allianz Field on October 7th. So um, I believe they, they did this last year uh, with a pair of teams uh, with the doubleheader at Allianz, um, and they're going to be doing so again this year. Just a really cool opportunity for those high school players to play at uh, you know the, the cathedral of soccer here in Minnesota, if you will. So um, awesome, uh, awesome stuff there. Um, another potential awesome thing, well, uh, a few awesome announcements being made by Sioux Falls City, who this last year played in the WPSL. Um, but they have made a few big announcements. Now, 
one of the things they haven't announced this yet as we're recording, but it was sort of they, they have expressed interest in the past of joining USLW League next year. Um, it was something they talked about in uh, in a recent article. I cannot remember the publication, so I apologize that I'm not crediting the publication who actually got that interview and got that quote. Um, but um, they mentioned wanting to go into the USLW League. They haven't announced that yet as we're recording. I'm actually anticipating, though, that be one of those announcements. Um, but um, two more big announcements coming from Sioux Falls City today. Um, they are They have announced their first full-time employee. Um, which is Joe DeMay, and he joins as director of soccer, uh, which is cool that a lower league side is joining a uh, is is hiring on a full time employee like this. You don't normally see that at this level. So I also think that's another indicator that they're maybe wanting to move up a bit in league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're also they also said they're demonstrating their commitment to the development of female soccer coaches, offering the USSF grassroots licensure program um, to their coaches as well. So. Very cool. More announcements coming throughout the day as we're recording. Obviously, as you're listening on Friday, you're going to know what those announcements are. I would expect a move to the USLW League, though, um, be one of those announcements. Okay, let's move on to college soccer stuff now. Gophers, they dropped their Big Ten opener at Nebraska. Uh, They kept it nil-nil right up until the 88th minute, uh, but they gave up an opening goal um, from the host to lose 1-0. They host Indiana today as we're recording here on Thursday and then Northwestern on Sunday. So two home Big Ten matches this weekend for the Gophers. And then uh, as far as St. Thomas goes, the women drew University of Wyoming 1-1 on the road to end non-conference play. It's Ellie Tempero with the goal. They will host UMKC Friday to start Summit League play. Um, A few notes on St. Thomas. They actually have more road points already this season than they did all last season. Um, so that's a huge positive. Um, and they, uh, they have flipped their record up to this point of the season as well, uh, from what it was last year. So just continuing to show that incremental improvement and, and sort of backing up that, uh, you know, that, that mid table expectation that they got in the preseason poll, uh, from the coaches. And then on the men's side, St. Thomas and their non-conference run of two losses to Chicago state and Western Michigan, but they do find some positives in a one, one home draw against green Bay. Jay Siknikowski with the goal against UWGB. Um, they do open summit play against Eastern Illinois in St. Paul on Saturday. And then the St. Cloud men continue their stuff start tough start. Wow, easy for me to say. Uh, to Gleak play with a 3-0 loss to Saginaw Valley. They host Davenport College on Friday, the 23rd, and then host Purdue Northwest on Sunday. And then finally, a rundown of results in the NSIC, Mankato and Bemidji. This was the uh, premier matchup of the weekend. They draw 1-1 to keep that race tight in the conference. UMD get a 3-1 win over Upper Iowa. Uh, Mary get two wins against Sioux Falls and Southwest State. Um, Concordia St. Paul shocked Bemidji State with a 71st minute Katie Anderson goal to win 1-0. Minnesota State continued to stake their claim as the class of the conference this year with a dominating 7-0 win over Crookston. And then Winona State get a big 3-1 win at Duluth to continue their excellent run of form as well. Um, Dom, any big takeaways from the uh, college soccer rundown there? Uh, I mean, just that there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, un- unfortunate to to get that late goal and not uh, come away with with a result for the Gophers. Uh, but you know, at the same time, you saw that same sort of quality from them keeping it close all the way to the end there. 
Uh, hopefully they, you know, find find their feet a little more in these next couple of games. Uh, yeah, you know, both both St. Thomas programs having their ups and downs. The women's side finding finding form uh, a little better, obviously, and uh, and very exciting there for the men. Uh, you know, I, I guess good to to end that non-conference run on on the positive note of a draw, and and hopefully that sets them up better for for the Summit League play they have coming. St. Cloud, tough start, like you said. Uh, but you know, that, that's a program that we know produces talent and, and hopefully sort of getting, getting these games through, getting those nerves out. Hopefully they're able to, to, to find some form soon and, and find some goals. Uh, unfortunately been, been held goalless in a lot of their games so far. Uh, and then, yeah, in the NSIC, uh, very eventful, uh, good times for Mankato more so than, more, more so than Bemidji, the, the table obviously very early, but. The, uh, the table for the NSIC right now is, a, is very jumbled. It's kind of, a, kind of a fun one, kind of some names here and there that, that wouldn't be expected to be where they're at. So, so that's always fun. Uh, but Mankato is certainly looking strong uh, as expected. And uh, yeah, just, just a lot of entertaining stuff going on in D1, D2 right now. And uh, for those listening the day this comes out, uh, a reminder that this weekend specifically, or including Friday actually, but you know, there's a lot of, of home games for these teams. Uh, so, you know, if you live, if you live in Minneapolis, if you live in St. Paul, if you live in St. Cloud, uh, if you live in a couple of the different NSIC uh, cities, you probably have a D1 or D2 game near you. So, so definitely mm-hmm. go check that out. Moving down to D3 in the MIAC conference play kicks off on the men's side. Gustavus and St. Olaf start the year with two wins each. Augsburg and McAllister both start their conference seasons with wins, but then draw each other in the second game of the season. Uh, Hamlin, St. Scholast- Scholastica, and St. Mary's all looking for their first conference wins of the season still. And then on the women's side, you have Carlton and Augsburg, only two sides to grab two wins from their first two games. And then Concordia and St. Scholastica. Saint- wow. I just I just keep butchering that. <laughs> Saint Scholastica both get uh, their first positive result of the season with a nil-nil draw against one another. And then over in the UMAC on the men's side, it's Bethany Lutheran setting the tone with a five-one win over Martin Luther. Northland big nil-nil draw against powerhouse UW Superior. Uh, you can hear my interview with their head coach Greg Gilmore and uh, Jamie Colville, their goalkeeper. Little interview up on the podcast feed. Uh, so if you're tuning into 10K and you want a little bonus content, um, just yesterday uh, that interview dropped with those two on that on that draw and kind of what their um, what the turnaround for that program has been like over the last few years. Really, really good conversation. So go check that out if you have not. And then on the women's side, UW Superior start conference play with a big five nil win against Northland, and then uh, Crown Northwestern and Bethany Lutheran all collect wins with Northwestern beating North Central seven nil. <sighs> <laughs> okay, uh, I think uh, I think that's enough uh, co- uh, college soccer scores. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff, though, obviously happening in all levels of college soccer in the area. But now it is time, Dom, to move ahead to our top four. And this is kind of where we just pick four maybe non-Minnesota-related news stories, or if it's Minnesota-related, it's just something that didn't really fit into the rundown of the episode. So, uh, Dom, I am all talked out right now. I'm going to take a yes. drink of water and let you go first. All right. Uh, my first one will be sort of a, a locally connected player shout out thing, which is that uh, Claudio Repetto, who played for Med City a couple of years back, uh, has has signed for a new club in the USL Championship, Miami 
FC. He previously played for uh, Phoenix Rising and, and the Charleston Battery. I think those are the only two other uh, USL championship teams he's played for. But uh, now he's playing for Miami FC. And uh, so just a shout out to him, former Med City player, player that, that used the NPSL North as part of his development path and has uh, done well for himself in, in the USL championship, uh, grabbing goals here and there. So best of luck uh, in Miami playing for the team that uh, used to used to technically be in the NPSL and, and beat Duluth in, in their, their deepest uh, playoff run uh in uh 2018 so that's also a little cyclical connection there but um yeah so uh just a, a shout out to to claudio for that very very cool so my uh my first thing is uh esports related fifa 23 announced a, a big update yesterday as we're recording here uh ted lasso and afc richmond will be in the game at launch uh which uh that game drops on the 26th so that would be monday uh as you're listening to this um, and, uh, they also mentioned a couple months back, but I thought it good to kind of reiterate here. Um, a couple women's leagues will be available in the game as launch at launch to play in, uh, play with as well. Uh, the, the women's super league in, uh, England and the uh, first division in France will be playable right away. If you're looking for the NWSL, it won't be available right away, but EA did say that more women's leagues could be added later on. So cool that that women's soccer is getting included and the women's world cup, uh, will also be playable in this game as well. So just 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 more cool stuff um available in FIFA as as we move ahead here. I haven't gotten a new FIFA game in a while. I think FIFA 17 was the last new FIFA game I uh, I got. But with ES or with uh, EA Sports College football coming out next year, I may actually get a new video game system. We'll see. Uh so I may get FIFA 23. We'll see as my wife is listening to this. She's probably like definitely not. Hell no you're not uh, but 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 we'll see what happens over these next few months. Something to keep an eye on uh, in my household. But uh, anyways, uh, FIFA 23 looks really cool. Um, and obviously, uh, pretty pretty sweet that Ted Lasso and AFC Richmond are going to be playable too. Yeah, that's fun and and also great that they're trying to finally sort of add some some women's leagues in, into the game. It's interesting because I mean they they've had, um, albeit within a certain sort of small bubble but they've had women's national teams in that in the game for a while now yeah and the last fifa i got was maybe 17 and that had yep. uh women's national teams in it so uh you know if you're if you're going to be able to do that in 2017 surely five years later you can you can actually put some some clubs in um one would think that would actually be easier to do the national teams but you know whatever um so yeah, that, that's great. Uh, my second top four thing will also be connected to a soccer TV thing, uh, which is uh, just a, it's a shout out because I've been watching it. I've been watching Welcome to, to Wrexham, which is a, the FX documentary show thing paired with um, uh, Ryan, Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's buying of Wrexham in the fifth division, English fifth division last season. This, this current season is for the last season of, of the uh, National League. And uh, I've been enjoying it. I think it's a fun show. I think what they're doing is interesting. And I don't really understand the amount of hate that they're getting. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, I mean, the, the Wrexham fan base are all happy about it, which is really what matters. But outside of that, sort of on the internet, 
there's a lot of negativity around. Wait, wait, hold on. You're telling me there's negativity on the internet, Dominic? Can you I don't believe, believe you. it? I know. Can you believe it? But I, I think what's interesting to me, and someone who has better education in like sociology should genuinely write like a paper about this, is like I think there's more negativity out there about these two guys buying this team than there has ever been for any of these like human rights violating groups that own these yep. big teams or whatever. Like, and like I think there is more concentrated like how dare they for these two guys than I've ever seen for anything yep. else. It's so fascinating to me, and I don't know what exactly causes that, but I imagine part of it's obviously they're from North America or whatever, but. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I'd, I feel like if someone, if, if, if a far away rich person is going to own my team, I feel like I'd at least like it to be a person that I can see all of their work and know exactly what they're up to. Uh, no, I think people, the, people want the Saudi oil money. They want yeah. the, they want the yeah. Russian oligarchs. You know, they want that. It's very um, interesting. They don't want two harmless actors from <laughs> comedians. <Hollywood>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on now. So it's yeah. just very interesting. So anyways, if you're a person that hasn't watched it at all and you just keep seeing people badgering about it and you think, oh, I probably shouldn't watch it, watch it. Give the first episode a try. It's a, it's a fun show. It's an engaging show. It's an endearing story or whatever. It's an endearing club. Also, the team's doing very well this season and might end up getting promoted. So if you watch now, you'll, you'll be ahead of the curve on that one. But um, yeah, it's just been a, a weird reaction to, to what I have have seen as a, a relatively fun, positive story. What I got from that Dom is blood money. Fine. <laughs> uh, American comedians. Not okay. Yeah. Blood uh, money's okay, but always sunny money. How uh, dare Oh, how dare you? That's, that's <laughs> crossing the line. That's crossing the line. Uh, <laughs> all right. My final, uh, my final thing here is, uh, I mean, it's football season. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about the Vikings a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I think we saw an, a, a regression to the mean on uh, on Monday night. That's what I'm going to call it. People were very, very high after the after the Packers win, maybe both literally and figuratively. Um, but uh, they, uh, I think it was a lot of week one overreaction, um, and I think we saw that. But I also think now we're seeing an overreaction in the other direction, which is which yeah. is what you get. That's what you get from sports fandom. You beat the Packers, you're going to the Super Bowl, you lose on the road to the Eagles on Monday Night Football, and you're going one in 16 or whatever it is, however many games yeah. they play now. Uh, so I obviously think it's somewhere in the middle. I think they'll be fine, personally. Again, I'm not a Vikings fan, so I don't have um, – I don't, I don't have, you know uh, – uh, I feel like I have an unbiased viewpoint of the Vikings. I think they'll be fine. They'll probably do enough to get into the playoffs, but maybe not do enough to do anything when they get there. Similar to another Minnesota team in which we've already talked about on this podcast. Uh, but I think that's kind of always been the expectation. I think, honestly, I think when Kirk Cousins your quarterback, is your quarterback, you have a ceiling. Hmm. Um, that ceiling might be okay, but you definitely have a ceiling. And uh, that's that's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna digress. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is interesting because he's one of those guys that his stats are all pretty positive. He's not a guy with bad stats. It's just when it comes to the game-to-game flow, there's just times where it doesn't work. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think there's a little bit of, um, baggage on like this specific kind of game, because I, I think just with the Eagles in general, because, you know, as, unless I'm remembering wrong, they're the team we lost to after the Minneapolis miracle. Correct. 38 and, to seven and, and less. And yeah. And a really, really bad game. So I think like losing to them also comes with a little baggage right now. Um, and, and of course, just the nature of the history of the team in general. But I think, as far as I can recall, I think the third game is going to be uh, against the Lions. And I, I think once you get those three samples, I think it's going to be a little easier to kind of tell what this team is. Because the Lions are, mm-hmm. on paper, a bad team. On the field, not necessarily that bad. Um, and and so seeing how they do against a team like that, I think that will kind of make it a little easier to f- see, like, what what is this first leg of the season really like? Um mm-hmm. Because, you know, you beat the Packers, which is a great moment. But, of course, Packers recently have always kind of started the season poorly and, and then gone better. And you kind of have to navigate all that. So, anyways, yeah, an unfortunate, unfortunate loss. But at the same time, I think this Eagles team is probably a little better than we're probably giving them credit for. And, and there's still potential for the Vikings to have a very good year uh, regardless. But we'll see. All right. You know what I just realized, Dom? Uh, the topic we were going to save for stoppage time, we already went through on the podcast. So I'm calling it audible for 10 K stoppage time this week. Uh, we were going to talk about, uh, Sioux Falls city. We already talked about that of the podcast cause it was in the podcast rundown and I forgot to skip it. So what we're going to do on 10 K stoppage time this week is Dom and I are going to predict how the MLS Western conference is going to shake out at the end of the season. One through seven, who gets in? where Minnesota United ends up in that playoff picture, if they do end up in that playoff picture, and who gets left out. That's kind of how we're going to be spending our international break uh, 10K stoppage time this week. So, Dom, get your your standings out, get your team profiles out, and uh, we'll be over there on patreon.com slash sodasoccer to to give that content to you. So if you want it, make sure you're supporting us and checking that out. If not, all good. We'll catch you next week on another episode of 10K. See ya.